so as many of you know, and of course, if you're new here with us today, we've been in a series called Difficult People. Difficult People. And during this series, which actually comes to an end today, mind you, which FYI, let me throw this in here, starting next week, we're starting a brand new series called Niche. And basically, it's finding your purpose in life. Uh, one of the questions that we get asked a lot of is, hey, wh- what is my purpose? I'm just kind of figuring out what God's called me to do. And so we're going to be talking a lot about that. We're going to be digging into God's Word. And that's going to carry us almost to Christmas time. And then we've got something for you at Christmas. Don't forget, December the 23rd, uh, excuse me, December the 24th, Christmas Eve service. We're going to have a Christmas Eve service here at 3 o'clock on December the 24th. 3 o'clock is going to be a candlelit service. So make sure you get here and come and be very careful with your candles. <laughs> be very careful. But it's going to be an amazing service. I promise you, I'm not going to keep you long on that particular service. It's going to be a short service. But it's just a time to come together and honor the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. For what he's done for us. So that's coming up. But... As we wrap up this series called Difficult People, we've been talking a lot about how to deal with difficult people. And let me just throw this caveat in there. All of us can be difficult people. Come on. Anybody testifying today? All of us can be difficult people. And so we've been looking at how do we deal with difficult people? And we've talked about a couple different things in that. We said, hey, you can deal with difficult people in the fleshly way, which is not God's way. But most of the time when it comes to dealing with difficult people, we deal with that in the flesh. You know, you want to give somebody a piece of your mind and, you know, you go flesh on them. And so that's the way that most people deal with difficult people. But we want to deal with difficult people God's way from a spiritual aspect. And so we've been walking through the scriptures and looking at how Jesus dealt with critical people, needy people or wanting people. Last week, manipulative people. And this week, I want to kind of lead it off with a quote that is written by Charles Tame. Charles Tame wrote this quote, trust is a special kind of currency. Once gained, you can easily lose it. The easiest way to do that is by talking out of both sides of your mouth. Can I get an amen on that one? So we want to talk about today, wrapping this series up, we want to deal with fake people or hypocritical people. Now, let me see right now. Let me get a show of hands all in the house. How many of you guys know a Christian right now that says one thing, but their actions is entirely different? Let me see a show of hands all over the house. I see that hand. I see that hand. How many of you right now are sitting next to the hypocrite? No, don't look at them. Don't look. Somebody's waving to my Hey, don't do that. Might be a fight to break out in church among all the hypocrites. But anyway... The fact is that there, unfortunately, are a lot of hypocrites, and we deal with them. And let me put a caveat again. I think there's a lot of hypocrite in us. You know, one of the, one of the number one criticisms I hear all of the time from non-Christians, they, non-Christians say this about Christians. They say, well, you know, I would go to church, but they're just a bunch of what? hypocrites. We hear that all of the time. That's what people say. And as a matter of fact, if you go out and invite enough people to church, eventually you're going to have somebody to say to you, well, I would go to that church, but that church is full of 
hypocrites. And so, you know, when I hear that kind of a statement, I always kind of back it up and say, you know what? Hey, man, don't let that stop you from coming. We can always make room for one more. Amen. That's you. So come on, be with us. Come to church. And again, because the reality is there's a little hypocrite in all of us. And, you know, maybe you're here today and maybe you haven't been raised around that term before. Maybe that term hypocrite, you're thinking to yourself, what exactly does that mean? Well, let me give you a definition of it real quick. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The word hypocrite in the Greek is translated as an actor, a stage player, one who hides behind a mask. So that's what a hypocrite is. And the word is actually used to describe a Greek actor in a play. That's, a lot, that's what that word is used to describe. And so for those of you that know back in the day when those plays came about, you'd have one person to come out and they'd have a mask on. And, and that mask, maybe it was a smiley face or enthusiasm or whatever. Well, that same person would go back behind the stage, come back out with a different mask. So that person was playing different roles. It was not who the person was. They were just playing the role or a character. And so again, the word hypocrite literally means an actor that's playing a role, but it's not the real thing. And it's interesting because Jesus Christ over and over and over again, he was never soft on hypocrisy. Matter of fact, some of the strongest words that Jesus wrote in the New Testament dealt with hypocrisy. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, it kind of captures the essence of the problem of hypocrisy. And Jesus is actually calling out the Pharisees. And he says to them, he's pretty bold, he's pretty blunt. He says, you hypocrites. And then he goes on and quotes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah He says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are what? They're far from me. In other words, Jesus says, hey, you're talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk. You're saying one thing with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. You're an actor. That's not who you really are. And tragically, we see this very common among people today. I will never forget, just maybe a year or so ago, I was coming out of Burke Outlet right up here, and I turned coming to the church. Well, when I turned onto Bookadary out here, I looked in my rearview mirror, and there was a guy really coming up pretty fast on me. And so I recognized, hey, I've made a mistake here, so I gunned my truck. Well, man, this guy kept coming. And so I gave him, hey, the sign that it was my fault, rolled down my window. I said, hey, man, sorry. My fault, my bad. You know, I realized I messed that up. And this guy come right up on my bumper. He was blowing his horn red in the face. And he told me I was number one. He, come on, I don't have to demonstrate that, I hope, for you today. He told me I was number one. He flipped me off, and I'm like, this guy is crazy. I pulled over to let him go by. As soon as he rode by, on the back window, there was a church sticker. I said, look at that. <laughs> now, had it been the bridge or awakening, we'd have had a big problem, but it wasn't. But tragically, we see that happening all of the time. And the reality is, so many of us unknowingly today, we say one thing, but hear me today, guys, our actions are actually flipping God off. We say we love him, 
We say he's number one. We say he's got our whole heart. But our actions are entirely different than that. And we see this all the time. It could be the guy at work. And he's all Christian talk, loving Jesus. He went to church. He's going to tell you everything the pastor preached on. He's got the scriptures. He's got the notes. He's got everything. But yet you can round the corner and he's cussing somebody out. He's saying inappropriate things about women. It could be the, the kids here uh, in church. And man, they are super spiritual warriors. They're student ministries. They got the Bible verses down. They got all this down. But yet they're cheating on their test. They're partying on the weekends. It could be the guy who's got that spiritual talk everywhere. Praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. Bless God. Glory his name. This is the day the Lord has made. You know, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. But yet with that same mouth, he goes home and he verbally abuses his family. It could be the lady that talks about everybody, but she disguises it in a prayer way. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Do you know? Come on. Don't point, man. Jesus, don't... You know, they, they talk about everybody. Oh, we just, girl, you ain't going to believe what she was wearing in church today. You're not going to believe what she's dealing with. But we just need to pray for her, y'all. We just need to pray. She's just so ungodly. We need to pray. But here's the thing. Everybody knows that you the gossip in the church, sweetie. It's hypocrisy and lean in. God hates it. God hates it. So the question is, when we're dealing with hypocritical people, what is our role as Christians? And then you have to ask yourself, do we have a role? Should we get involved with these people? Should we say something? Should we stay away? And I think for most of us, I think there's two wrong extremes when it comes to trying to deal with hypocritical people. The first one is this, and this is in your notes. It's what I call the hands-off approach. You know, earlier in the message series, we talked about dealing with the hypocritical, uh, dealing with difficult people in the flesh, and there's the flight and fight method. This is kind of the same thing. That flight method. This is the hands-off method. I'm not going to do anything about that. That doesn't involve me. I got nothing to do with that. And so, you know, in, unfortunately, we're living in a society where tolerance has almost become an idol. Because we just tolerate any and everything. Nobody wants to say anything because we're scared we might offend somebody. Well, you know, that's just their business. And as long as it makes them happy, then they just do whatever they want to do. And I'm not going to get involved. That's your thing. That's not my thing. And, and, and so there's never really any sense of helping somebody to get to where God wants them to be. So that's one wrong extreme I think that people take is the hands off. Here's the second one. Inwardly judgmental. Just nitpicking everything apart. Without any love at all. Zeroing in on all of the small things. Well, you know, pastor, you didn't read out of the KJV today, baby. I don't know about that. And so we, we nitpick everything. It's all about what you didn't do. And you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And again, there's confrontation without any love at all. And I think that there are very few things that have caused more harm to the cause of Christ than hypocritical, judgmental Christians. Always breathing down someone's throat, always telling them what they didn't do. This is wrong and that is wrong. And I, again, I believe there are two wrong extremes when it comes to trying to deal with hypocritical people. So again, where is our role fall? Well, I think our role as Christians falls somewhere in between all of that. 
And let me just be clear about something. If you're a Christian and there is someone who is not a Christian, they're not acting like a Christian, should you judge them? The answer is no. Why? Because they're not a Christian. But that doesn't mean that you can't go to them and lovingly show them Jesus. And lovingly show them and bring them towards God. And so again, that's something God's called us to do. Not only to non-Christians, but Christian to Christian. I mean, you know, we're called to do that with our brothers and sisters. If we see a fellow Christian that's, that's not really acting like a Christian, then again, we have a responsibility not to go give them a piece of your mind, but to love them to Jesus. And so we see this happening over and over again in the scriptures. You can always go back to the Old Testament and God would raise up prophets and there were prophets and they would say, hey, you guys say you're loving God, but you're worshiping idols and false gods. You need to repent. You need to come back to God. And then you see it also in the New Testament in Galatians chapter two. Read that sometime in your leisure. Galatians chapter 2 talks about Paul and Peter and how they had this huge disagreement. And the Bible said Paul withstood Peter to his face. They got in each other's face. And the reason for it was because Peter was eating with the Gentiles and he was hanging out with the Gentiles until his Jewish friends came along. And then Peter backed off from the Gentiles and started hanging with the Jewish friends and said, well, the Gentiles ain't, ain't saved. They're not circumcised, this, that, and the other. And so Paul stepped in and Paul said, man, you got this all wrong. You're a hypocrite. And it said he withstood him to his face. And so again, you watch over and over and over again as Christians are actually called to not just confront with, with a fight mode, but to confront with love Christians and non-Christians. We are commanded to reach people. We're commanded to reach people, not to walk away from them. We're commanded to reach them. And so the Bible gives us really fully, four clearly defined steps on how to reach people, how to confront them. So step number one is this. Number one, you've got to commit to go to the person. Commit to go to them. Don't take the hands off approach. Don't just look at them and say, you know, I'm just going to let them do their own thing. No, commit to go to them. Galatians chapter six, verse one says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should what? Restore him with your hand. Restore him with social media. Restore him with a piece of your mind. Restore them what? Gently. But then he says, watch yourself or you may also be tempted. So let me demonstrate what I'm talking about. Missy, can you come help me? Give my wife a hand. Doing such a great job. Incidentally, we're selling these shirts today out there in the foyer on your way out. So go back there and grab one of them. It's even got, you know, the bridge across the back. So let's say that Missy and I are friends. Y'all saw how I did that, right? But Missy and I are friends. Let's say Misty is backing up on the stage here. And if she takes one more step she's going to fall and hurt herself. As a Christian, I've got one or two options here. I can look at her and just say, Thomas, man, you're not going to believe this. Come watch this. Watch her. She's about to fall. She's going to hurt herself. Dude, hold, get my camera, social media, you know, Misty bombs it. You know, so that's one approach. Here's the right approach. Hey, 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 no, no, no. Don't, don't, don't do that. Come on. Come on back on the stage. Now, notice the difference there. 
I could have just let her keep going and fall off, but I confronted her. Now, no doubt she may be a little aggravated. People may be a little aggravated when you confront them and say, well, why are you in here? Why are you messing with me? Why are you doing that? But when you let them know, hey, there was danger there and I'm helping you from danger. Do you see the parallel there? Come on. Thank you, sweetheart. Appreciate your time. Here's the thing. When you truly care about people, you're not going to gloat over their mistakes. You're not going to run around and gossip about their mistakes. You're going to inform them of the danger. Do I have scripture for that? Yes, I do. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you what? Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Now, there is a time when we ourselves need to get all of the knowledge and the wisdom and we need to learn it. But there's also times where we need to instill in others what God has taught us. Now, I need to warn you that when you go to a hypocritical person, hypocritical Christian or non-Christian, and you say, hey... There's some things in your life that are really not adding up. There's some things you're doing that are not in line with what God has called us to do. And it really concerns me. And I just want you to know that you're hurting the credibility of the church. Odds are their initial response is what? All of the defenses go up immediately. Well, who do you think you are? I reckon you holier than I am. You know, you, you think you're better than I am just because you go to that church, just because you do that. And so that's why you have to pray and say, God, help me to respond with the right heart. Because even if that person doesn't respond to what you said to them, at least they've been warned. At least they've been warned. It's so easily to sit passively by and do nothing and watch a person continue on the path of destruction and we not get involved and we not say anything. But can I tell you something? You hurt the body of Christ when you do that because you've got everybody looking and they're like, man, you said you're a Christian. You said you love that person and you let them march right on down the path they were on. And so again, it hurts the credibility. So you have to commit to go to the person. That's the in-between. Don't take the hands-off approach. Don't take the judgmental approach. Commit to go to the person. But here's step number two. Before you commit to go to that person, number two, examine your heart. Examine your heart. Make sure you're in the right heart. You're in the right frame of mind when you go to that person. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the two-by-four hanging out of your own head? That's Alan's paraphrase. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now notice what it didn't say. It didn't say get the plank out of your own eye and just keep on with your life and don't mess with nobody else. No, it said first remove the problem in your own life. Get your heart right. Get your soul right. And then you can see clearly to go and help other people. King David wrote this in Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Listen, you don't have to be perfect and say, well, you know, I've made mistakes. That doesn't give me any right to say anything to anybody. No, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to make sure your heart's right so that when you go to people, you're approaching them from a sincere heart, an authentic heart. Romans chapter 12, 9, this is not in your note, but it talks about how love has to be sincere. 
Sincere is the opposite of hypocrite. And so let's be honest though, being authentic Christian this day and time is really tough. And so that's why you have to pray and ask God to help you. You have to go to somebody with no pretending. You have to go to somebody with integrity because why? At the end of the day, that's all you got. That's all you've got. And so you have to ask the Lord, Lord, help me not to just say, God bless you when I really don't mean it. Help me not to look at somebody and say, hey, sweetheart, I'm praying for you when I'm really not praying for you. So you got to be authentic. You've got to go with the right heart to say, God, help me here. You've got to examine yourself and ask yourself, hey, am I really for real here or am I pretending? So again, if you want to go to somebody, you got to go to them first. But before you do that, you got to examine your heart, make sure you're real. But then here's step number three. You've got to follow the biblical pattern. Jesus lays out for us how to confront someone. He lays it out in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. You guys getting anything out of this today? All right, three of you. Sounds good. All right, if your brother sins against you, I'm messing. Go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Don't get on social media and blow somebody up. Don't go around gossiping to everybody. Well, you know, I can't believe it. No, if the Bible said, what does it say? Here's the pattern. If your brother sins against you, what do you have to do? Go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, man, you've gained a brother. You've gained a brother. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you. And the one or two others need to be seeing the same thing you're seeing. You guys need to be in the right heart and in the right spirit. Then you go and talk to that fellow. And then you've got the testimony of two or three witnesses. Why is that so important? Because in the Bible days, it wasn't even considered to be true unless you had two or three witnesses. If it was just you that saw it, they wouldn't even consider that true. Had to be backed up by two or three witnesses. And so he says, get two or three witnesses. If he refuses then, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So what does all of this mean? It simply means that you've got to love people, regardless if they're a Christian, regardless if they're a non-Christian, you've got to love people. You've got to reach out to people. But when you reach out to them, make sure you're reaching out in the right heart so that you can influence them. They don't influence you. You know, it's interesting in Matthew chapter 23, when you open that up and you start reading that scripture, Jesus has a crowd of people around him. And he's talking about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he's, he's kind of laying it out. And here's what he says. He says, hey, don't practice what, don't, don't follow these guys. They're blind guides. He calls them snakes, calls them vipers. He said, they don't practice what they preach. Stay away from them. Get out of there. Now, the good news is that some of those scribes and Pharisees, they listened to Jesus. Because John chapter 12, 42 and 43 says at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. So some of these leaders received that. The bad news was a lot of them heard it. They received it. They just wouldn't confess it because they didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. They wanted the chief seats. They didn't want to give up all of their stuff. But the good news is at least two of them we know did. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. And, and, and not only that, but later on, many more of the scribes and Pharisees would come along. 
Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests, a large number of priests, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So sometimes when you go to someone and you really want to see restoration in their spirit, Sometimes they may listen. If they listen, praise God. Sometimes they're not going to listen, but at least you've planted the seed. The Bible says some plant, some waters, but God gives the increase. Our job is not to give an increase. Our job is to plant and water seed. And so that's what we're called to do. You know, I'm reminding of a story of, of King David. King David was a man after God's own heart. And King David had this time in his life where he actually slipped into hypocrisy. And he, he took his neighbor's wife, he had her husband killed, and he did all of this, and all of this was kind of under wraps. So nobody really knew about it. And so for months after all this, David went about his daily chores, daily duties. He was going in the synagogue, he was shaking hands, praise the Lord, hallelujah, high five, bah, bah, bah. all this was good. And then God sent one of his friends to confront him. It was the prophet Nathan. And Nathan comes to confront David. And Nathan says, hey, David, uh, let me lay out a story. Something that's happening right now. You've got a rich guy and his family. And they've got all kinds of sheep and cattle and all that. And you've got a poor guy and he's got one lamb. That's all this guy's got, him and his family. That lamb sits at the table. He eats with them. It's one of their pets. They love him. Well, one day the rich guy wants to do a banquet. He doesn't take his own lamb. He takes the poor guy's lamb. Kills his lamb. Well, David's furious. David's like, man, kill the guy. Who is he? Let's kill him now. And Nathan, no doubt with tears in his eyes, looked at David and said, man, you're the man. You're him. He took you from a shepherd boy to a king. You could have anything you ever wanted, and yet you took your neighbor's wife. You had her husband killed, and David was crushed by this truth. He was crushed by it. He realized, I've sinned. I need to repent. And so he goes into a time of uh, seclusion, and he writes Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51, and this leads me to our fourth step. You got to, number one, you got to commit to go to the people. Number two, you got to examine your own heart, man. Make sure you're in the right heart. You're in the right spirit before you go. Number three, you've got to follow the biblical pattern. There's a pattern that Jesus laid out for us. And then number four, you've got to lead them to the cross. You've got to lead them to the cross. Here's David in this time of seclusion. And he pens Psalms chapter 51. And here's what he says. He said, God, be merciful to me because you're loving. Man, wipe out all my wrongs. Wash away all my guilt and make me clean again. Give me back, listen to this, give me back the joy of your salvation. Keep me strong by giving me a willing spirit. And then I will teach your ways to those who do wrong. You see the process here. And sinners will turn back to you. God is looking for real people, He's not looking for fakes. He's not looking for hypocrites. He's looking for real people that have one thing in mind when you go and you confront someone, and that is restoration. 
You're not going and confronting because listen, sometimes you go and you confront people and they get mad and they get upset with you and they, you know, you think you're better than I am and, and man, you're, you're throwing the stones. He who is out seeing cast the first stones and you got to let them know, man, listen, I'm not here to cast a stone. I'm here to cast a lifeline. I'm here to help you. I see the direction of your life. And I want to help you. I want to, I want to stand beside you. Look, man, nobody's got to know. This is between you and I. But I want to help you with this. And I want to walk this out with you. Sometimes they'll receive it. And guys, hear me today. Sometimes they won't. But we still have a job to go to people. And let me just say this. Sometimes we're that person. Sometimes somebody's got to come to us. You know, sometimes Misty will come to me and, you know, and tell me something that I'm doing wrong. And I tell her all the time, I said, baby, you know what? Man, I've only been wrong one time in my life. And that was back in grade school. And I really figured out that I won't wrong. They asked me the wrong question. So I really hadn't been wrong. And some of us have that approach to life. We feel like we're never wrong about anything. But sometimes Misty will come and she'll gently nudge me and say, hey, are you looking at that right? Are you dealing with that right? And I said, baby, you know, I'm, and, and sometimes I get mad with her. I'm like, man, who are you? Ephesians 5, submit. You know, I, I'll pull scripture out in a minute, but then she pulls it back out on me, so that's no fun anymore. So, and there's those times that I get upset, but then I come back and I said, baby, you know what? You're absolutely right. Thank you. So sometimes you're called to go to someone, and sometimes God will lead someone to you. Guys, at the end of the day, I say this all the time, we're family. We're family. We're leaking arms with one another all over the world. And we just want to win people to Jesus. And we want to help people. You know, if you're struggling, if you're going through something right now, guys, listen, you don't have to do it on your own. Let us help you. And let me connect you with some people in this church. They can help you. They can pray with you. You say, well, Pastor, I want you to pray for them. Well, I'll pray for you, but I'm telling you, man, I got to be honest. I've got some ladies in here that can outpray me any day of the week. Matter of fact, when I get sick, I don't even ask myself to pray for me. I call the ladies up and have them praying for me. But there's some people in here that can help you and walk along with you. There's some people in here that has restoration in their spirit and in their hearts. That's what family does. You know, when one of your kids is, is, is falling short, what do you as a family do? You rally around them. You help them up. You pick them up. You push them forward. And that's what the church is called to do. You know, it's called to do that. And so stand with me all over the house. Guys, I want to just say thank you so much for kind of enduring my raspiness today. Continue to pray for me that I'll get better. But here's how I want to end this service. And I know you got chicken on your brain and all that and the buffet bar. But the buffet bar has heat lamps. So by the time you get there, they've already churned that food about three or four times. So it'll still be hot when you get there. So if you can give us a few minutes today, and if you got to go, I totally understand. But I want to end this sermon series around the altar. And I want us praying for one another. And you don't have to know all the details of everybody that's around you. But I want you to come to the altar. And I want you in your mind to just be praying for someone. We have people in here battling with cancer. 
We have single moms in here, guys. Hear my heart today. We have single moms in here. And man, they're struggling to make a decision. Man, do I pay my bills or do I buy food? We've got people in here that have walked in here today and they're saying, God, I'm going to give you one more chance. We've got people in here that are cutting themselves because they don't know what to do. Life has been so hard on them. We've got people in here that are thinking about ending their life. Let's just be honest. This is where we are. And this is what we've got. But we're a family. And when you hurt, I hurt. When you're happy, hey man, I'm going to be happy with you. I'm going to praise God with you. But when you're hurting, I'm going to get in a ditch with you. I'm going to do everything I can to get you out. So would you just come to the altar right now, all over the house, just step out of where you are. If you can, if you got time, I, again, I understand. 